Most recently, whoops, he told me to turn this on because we're a little short on help tonight. Testing, oh yes. Yeah. You might want to turn it down just a tiny bit for this uh, stuttering, loudmouth guy. Most recently, in our Bedrock series, we've been trying to answer the question, and, 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 and so far, so good. We've been answering it well. Um, it is this question of identity. Who are we? Who am I? Who are we together? In uh, just two weeks ago, we were reminded that we are worshipers. We're no longer worshiping ourselves. We are born that way. We are born dependent upon God entirely, but independent of him. That's our chief sin is that we make our own rules, we make our own judgments, we are the critics. We do what we please, that's what we want to do. But when transforming grace comes along, we want to please another. Because he did not please himself so much, he pleased his father, and yet his will was identical to the father's will. So... He chose to please the entire Trinity and all of the unfallen angels with the redemption of men who would worship him. We learned secondly, I thought quite powerfully, that we are family, that by God's grace, um, we have been made sons and daughters. Can you take it in? That's what we are by the grace and the redemptive work of our Savior. We are family together, and we stick together, and um, we love our siblings, our brothers and our sisters, wherever they are found. As, as long as they are trusting in Jesus, that's what makes them our brother and sister. Well, tonight... We're going to be reminded of what is intrinsic to you, which you know inside of you, is that we are servants. And this is a high privilege to be. To be called a servant of God is the greatest privilege on this earth. And that's what he's given us to be. That's what is intrinsic to being a child of God is that we no longer serve ourselves. We have that tendency, as Pastor Ted prayed, sadly, often our default setting is, is what's in it for me? What can I get? What can I receive? What can I have? What can I increase in? What, what can I get from somebody else? We don't talk that way to ourselves, but we, we act that way sometimes. That's our temperament. And we want to be rid of it. And we can't get rid of it all at once, but we can get rid of it by degrees. That's what we want to be. Richard Sibbs, 
uh, one time said that um, we can receive gold from dirty hands. Bob Dylan has dirty hands, but he brings us uh, just a little piece of gold tonight in his old song. Pastor Mark quoted uh, uh, from some musician this morning I never heard of. Um, Maybe some of you have never heard of Bob Dylan either. But here's what he says. He's got like six stanzas, and they all rhyme, but they have a wonderful chorus that, that I think has gold in it, even if it comes from his dirty hand. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. He says that six times. We are wired to serve. When you get on Facebook... If you're a Facebook user, I am. This, um, what can be a wonderful social media. And nevertheless, we're concerned about how many likes we get, how many looks we get, how many comments we get, how many shares we get. That's what we care about. That's what we look for. Even if what you're trying to do, which is what I'm really trying to do, is not to brag on anything but Jesus, but it becomes a kind of Facebook brag. I still want to see how many likes I get. I have no idea how how many looks. I'm thrilled if I get a share, and and I like to always respond to every comment that I get. Either say I like it, or I or you just gave me the opportunity to say something else. But that's the way we are. Twitter is the same way. We want followers. We want to follow somebody else that's, that's reputable and helpful to us. And, and, and we want to find that cool person to follow. I'm following him. I'm following her. She's, she's wonderful. Um, I'm on her team. Well, just as we have been wired to be worshipers and members of a family. We're also wired by God's giving us this DNA to be servants. And and that's what we want that's what we want to be. We 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 like to be served, that's right. But we want to get rid of that. And the only remedy, the only remedy in the world to overcome self service is the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to track with him. We've got to imitate him. We've got to look at him. And even as Pastor Ted prayed a beautiful prayer, we know why he came. He did not come to to be served. He came to serve. He turns the world upside down 
by his service. A key text is in uh, Philippians 2.5, a familiar text. Every text that I'll quote tonight is, is uh, familiar to you, but it's, it's just good to have another look at it. Where we read, have this mind, have this attitude among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Make this your attitude. Who, though he was in the form of God, he was God. He was the creator. He was the sustainer of the universe. Nothing that has been made has been made except through him. But he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Taking the form not of a king, not an earthly king, not a prince, not a construction worker, not a teacher, not a a business owner or a businessman, not an owner of livestock. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That word can also be translated, he took the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of of men he came he came as a man with the external appearance the external form of a man and being found in human form he humbled himself he did it on purpose he humbled himself by coming but he humbled himself while he was here he came as a slave he came as a servant He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and not just any death. We're all going to die unless Christ comes back first. We shall die. He didn't have to die, but he died. But it wasn't just any death. It was the death on a cross. It was that ignominious death, that shameful death, That horrible death. And it wasn't just the cross. It was the abandonment of his father. It was wrath poured out. Oceans of it. Niagara Falls. Plentitude. It was so much wrath we cannot imagine it for every generation of believers until he comes back. That's what he bore on the cross. Well, we look at a snapshot then. It's the the snapshot that he gave us. It's a familiar passage also. But we need to look at it carefully because he did this on purpose. and And he did it near the time of his death. He didn't have to do it. But he wanted to leave it as a representative image of what a servant is. It's found in John chapter 13. It is... uh, the occasion, the familiar occasion, when he washed the feet of his disciples. There we read that now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's the key statement. He loved them to the very end. During the supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, rose from the supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed need not wash except for his feet because he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet, he, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? I imagine they were dumbfounded. There's not another word recorded by the apostles ex except for Peter, who, who was always out front with everything and, and terribly mistaken. He terribly misunderstood. Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than, than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus came forth to serve. Where did he go? Where did he go in order to rise on this occasion? Where did he go so he would be exalted? This is where he went. He went down. He went down with the crucifixion on his mind that was going to happen 24 hours or 36 hours later, he did not let the distraction of his present responsibilities or the future ones like no one else was ever going to face stop him from going down. He went down to where the apostles' feet were. What was he doing down there? He was showing us what the heart of a servant is. A servant goes down 
He will wash filthy, stinking, dirty feet. He will do it all by himself. Do you read in the text that anybody else jumped up to help Jesus wash the disciples' feet? He did it alone. He did it in order to show what a servant really was. He did something that they could have done for themselves. Any one of them could have done that. That's the nature of, of service. Sometimes you do for someone else what they could easily do for themselves. He was not concerned about the time. Think about it, 24 feet. He's going to wash 24 feet carefully, diligently, lovingly. This is a servant. I don't know how many times he had to change the water from their filthy feet. But he washed them and he wiped them with a towel. He did it, as you know from the passage, he even did it for an enemy. He washed Judas Iscariot's feet. He was present. That's why he said what he said, that they were not all clean. He did it on his knees, just as I am now. This is the Savior. This is Jesus. All alone, washing the feet. Do we read that anybody thanked him? Surely they were thankful. Maybe they just didn't know what to say. This had never happened to them before. This was the work. This is the menial work of a servant, of a slave. And the Pharisees did not even want a Jew to be doing this. It was to be done by Gentiles. It was to be done by somebody else, not of the Jewish nation. I'm not saying that that, that, that did not ever happen. But, it, but in their eyes, it was not a good thing because it was so low. Do we read in the passage that anybody rose to wash his feet? Was there any reciprocity? Did anybody give back to him? He might have been the only one in the place with dirty feet still. This is a servant. This is a, a servant of servants. This is what he did. And the only words that were spoken, we just read them, you know what they are. They were words in substance. Do more. Do more for me. It's like when you're mopping the floor and somebody else comes up and says, you missed a spot. Or when you're done there, you can do this over there. He was treated like a servant. He allowed himself to be treated like a Gentile slave. That's what he did. And did they understand it? Was he understood? Was he leaving a mark? 
were they going, wow, well, I get it, I get it. Not a one of them. He had to get up and he had to explain it to them. That's what he had to do because they did not understand what he had done to them. This is a servant. This is who we are called to be like. This is how we serve. Why did he do all of this? What was his reason uh, to do it? Why, why do this, this demeaning thing all by yourself without anybody doing it for you, without being thanked? He planned to do this. We don't know when he planned it. We don't know that um, if he, well, he, he could know all things, but he, he, he might have known that nobody else was going to do it. But surely when he got there, it was apparent that nobody was going to do it, but he planned it. He, that was his intention. That was his purpose. Everybody walked by the basin and the towel and took their place around the table whether they were sitting or, or if, if they were reclined, um, that doesn't really matter. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Is there anything that is below you to do? Is there anything that you say, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's not for me. That doesn't agree with my position. That doesn't, believe, that doesn't agree with how I think of myself. Somebody else ought to do that. Have you ever done anything like that that was akin to that, something like that, that had these features of, of perhaps doing it all by yourself, a filthy, dirty task, one that ought to be done by somebody who, who is lower than you socially? Have you ever done that? <laughs> In some sense, we are greater than our master, We've never done anything like this. And what Jesus is, is teaching us spiritually is that we ought to be inclined to do whatever is asked to be done, whatever we see needs to be done, to, to participate in it, to even do it secretly or privately or don't look for thanks, don't look for appreciation, don't look for it to be done to you. That's what he's showing us. He's showing us in, in, in this picture that he has performed, this is the example that he wants to set. Don't miss verse 17. What did Jesus say there? He says, if you know these things, blessed. Blessed are you if you do them. There's a blessing 
There's a blessing to get. There's a blessing to receive if you do as Christ did. That's what he promises. And you know that he got the blessing. There is a joy. There is a gladness. There is a pleasure. There is a reward. There is a blessing in serving. And that's what he invites us to enjoy. That's what he invites us to participate in. You will never be more like Christ. You will never be happier. You will never be have that prayer answered. When you pray, oh God, conform us to the image of your son. Oh, Heavenly Father, all we really want is to be like Jesus. A large part of that prayer will be answered in how well you serve and how often you go down and wash the feet of the saints. That is being like Jesus. That would be the answer to your prayer if you're on your hands and knees, as it were, serving God's people, serving his disciples. will be tremendous if God puts that in your heart and you stop disqualifying yourself from things that you don't really want to do that you can do. They're small things. They're chores. You're not going to get applauded for it. You're not going to get much notice for it. It's like those who give. There are at least 23 units within our church that give special offerings to missions. I'm not saying that I know what everybody's doing. I'm just saying through one channel that we have in our church, namely MASH, which stands for Missions Action Society of Heritage, there are 23 that do that out of, out of in round numbers, it's actually higher than this, out of 130 units in our church. You ask any of them if I could tell you who they are if they're not happy to do that, if they're not glad to do that, if they don't find joy and happiness in doing that, if, if, if they don't see some satisfaction in it, if they don't wish that they could do more. That's the way it is with all kinds of service. It's glad. It's a reward. There are certain teams of servants in our church and they work together and they have camaraderie and they have great conversation and they share together because they're working together. You're sitting in chairs that somebody set up and somebody's going to put them all away. But they're glad. They're glad to do that. They do it as a team. There are other teams, lots of them. What, the, what did the Apostle Paul say? If I could quote a whole bunch of texts, um, if we had time, I, I would do that. I've only chosen one. How did Paul want himself to be viewed and all of, of, of the apostles 
He says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 1, this is how one should regard us. We are the apostles. I'm a writer of Holy Scripture. I'm, a, I'm one that has visions. Uh, I've, been taking, I've been taken up into the third heaven. There are things I can't even utter. This is how one sh- should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. This is a tremendous thing for our identity. This is who we are. It has an upward focus. It glorifies God. However you serve him, however menial, however difficult, however low, however alone, however secret, his eye is upon you. And that's all you need. That's all you need. That's the most freeing principle to know that, that God sees me. God is pleased with me. God is happy with me. God delights in what I'm doing, even if nobody else sees it. It's a tremendous liberating thing. It has an inward focus. It blesses your brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it's, it's a kind of glue that holds us together as we serve one another It's a beautiful thing. It is so much like Jesus. It has an outward focus as you go out into the world and you are helpful and you are kind, you are courteous, and you serve wherever you can. When you're being served, if you're in a restaurant, if you'll stack your dishes... And get everything in order if you'll separate the paper and you'll put everything there together. Don't be surprised if a waitress or a a waiter says to you, thanks for that. Where she doesn't have to gather up everything on the table, but it's all ready to put on her tray and she's going to haul it away. There's a blessing even for the world. Dear people, we need to plan. We need to be intentional. We need to think about it. We need to decide. We need to purpose to be servants. Let's do it alone. Let's do the menial thing. Let's do it with others. Let's do it by ourselves. Let's not worry about... Let's not give a thought to being thanked or recognized. All we need is for God to see us. Wouldn't it be something if we, had a secret, if we had a secret serving group that tried to outdo one another, but they did it secretly, that there was a competition to see, um, can I serve better than my sister? Can I do that for the glory of Jesus? I'm not going to tell her because I want to beat her. I want to win. What if we did something like that? Oh, One of the greatest motivating factors comes from Matthew 25, 40, the words of Jesus, when he says, and and the king, in this case, it's God, will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it for, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it unto me. Everything you do for a believer You've done it for Jesus. That's what he says. You'll never hold back if if you keep that in mind. 
Well, let's ask ourselves some questions then. There are three different kinds of servants that we can possibly be. We can be self-serving. We were not made for that. Most of the world, the vast majority of mankind is self-serving. We can secondly, we can be uh, a celebrity, selective servant. We can do things like maybe Obama might do or any other famous person. We can put on the apron. We can put on the cap. We can say, roll the cameras. Uh, Get that microphone up close to me. We can show off uh, 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 for the eyes of men. They have their reward. What is their reward? Zero. It's nothing. It's vanity. It's empty. Or we can be the servant of all. We can be like Jesus. Up and in and out. That's what's in you. That's who you are. So when we answer, when we answer the question, who am I? We answer it like this. The gospel makes me a servant. It makes me a worshiper. It also makes me a part of a family. It makes me a servant. My service is all about the gospel, tracking with Jesus, imaging him to the church and to the world. I am a servant of God. I have been created, called, and saved to serve. That's where I'll leave it. I'll leave it right there. We're going to pray over these matters uh, in just a little while, but I'd like to have Michael Limati come tonight. Okay. Oh, yeah. We need to sing so the kiddos can go. Thank you, Pastor Ted. Um, and then um, we'll have Michael Amati come up, and he's going to do a presentation, and we, we, we will pray over what, what he has to say to us. And know that there are some prayer cards out there on the right-hand side on a table for him and, and his uh, dear wife, Ashley, so that we can get behind what he's going to be doing. Let's sing then.